Welcome back to the program. We're going to start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for the gift of Lent. Lord, we ask that you would allow us to finish well. Lord, I pray for those who are struggling with how their Lent has been going. I pray, Jesus, that you give us a fresh uh, impulse of grace, a resurgence of encouragement, so that we would uh, be willing to um, take this lap, last lap around the track of Lent, Lord, and give us that finishing kick. Give us that energy to uh, to run the race of faith um, with fervor and with devotion. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Carrie, here we are. It's Thursday evening, and um, it's 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 late enough where energy can be a little bit low, but I'm going to announce it out loud after the program. I'm going to the gym. <laughs> That's how, awesome. How does that sound? That sounds like... Are you in on that? No. <laughs> I'm so tired. You're so tired. Yeah, but... I, this is, this is me. I want to make that. I was using all those athletic analogies, the last lap around the track, right? It's, it's, um, it, it's a strange Lent for me because I see a lot of good fruit. And yet the weirdest thing of all is the itinerary of fasting that I had set out on and had lived for the first couple of weeks should have led to a pretty significant loss of weight. And here I am, uh, a week away from the end of Lent, and I've gained weight. How does that happen? <laughs> you exercise less, eat more instead of eat less. Oh exercise. my goodness, that is it. <laughs> I, oh, how does that happen? I, you know, I, I'm great at the excuses that I got sick. I was sick there for like a week and a half, and it just allowed me to let, allowed me to rationalize the crumbling of certain vigorous rigor. Um, regarding my Lenten penances, especially around fasting. Are you hoping to recover? This yeah, yeah, why not? Why last not? Week. Don't you think that's a, is that a bad thing? No, I think that's great. I think it's good. Okay, one week. Come on, guys. We can all do this. I, I would say that like when I'm working out and I have an hour-long workout, I try not to look at the clock. Like I, I use that sit, I use the old guy's bike. Yeah. The one with the seat. And it's, you know, it's a, a, a riding machine, right? A, what do you call it? A, a riding bicycle. machine? A bike? Yeah, but I'm not, I'm, I'm in the gym. So it's a... Electric bike? I don't know. What you, it's not electric, Carrie. It's so, I, I have a, I'm, I'm riding on one of these bikes in, in the gym. And it, it, I follow a pattern. I, I'm following a fat loss, uh, what's it called? A diagram of course. And so it gets, you know, it gets harder and then it gets easier and, and, and it's a 60 minute trail. It's a 60 minute course. And I do not, I try as much as possible not to look at the time. Why? Uh, it seems longer. You start tracking time, then it goes longer. Well, if I'm, if I'm eight minutes in and I'm really struggling and I look and I see there's 52 minutes left in that hour, it's really hard. It's it's like I have to really press through. But when I get down to 20 minutes and 15 minutes, even if I'm really struggling, I'll say to myself, I can do anything for 15 minutes. And it gives me the the energy I need to press through and get there. I don't think I've ever stopped with 15 minutes left to go. Because I can get through anything for 15 minutes. Is that analogy to I can do any kind of fasting for a week for a week, 40 days? Well, it's it's like, okay, I got I started off the the bike path of Lent really at a good pace and was going really well. And then I started looking at the clock and my pace slowed down and my feet came off the pedals and I almost wanted to jump off the bike of Lent. But stayed on the bike and kind of pushed forward. And now now I'm down to the 15-minute mark. I'm down to the last lap around this track. And and why not? Why not? Why settle for, oh, I started well, struggled in the middle. Let's, let's finish well. Let's, let's finish in a good way. 
I think it's interesting is on Easter, on the mini Easter's on Sundays, our kids and I make sure that we have at least three desserts. So it's not just have a dessert on Sunday, but it always feels like I'm trying to make up for all the desserts that I gave up during the week. And I don't know, it just seems like there's this like quick, how many sweets can we eat? How many goodies can we have? Because we only have today. And it just seems, um, well, one, just very immature. And two, the weight or the the draw that food has on our own uh, bodies. I would say that this is probably the first year I can remember the concept of little Easter's using Sundays in particular, but then a few of the other feast days that we throw in there that they have not really helped us. If I don't remember the, those Sundays in previous Easter, previous Lent. Yeah, it does. You know, I think our fasting has kind of, oh, sorry, Tom. No, I just, I think that it, it hasn't been as impactful in the way that you're saying like, woohoo, this is explosion of dessert eating on on those Sundays. You don't notice it? No, I I I'm reflecting on it now as you said it out loud. I don't I, I don't I'm trying to think. I just feel like the kids are counting down Saturday afternoon. Saturday five Saturday. o'clock. <laughs> We've become so good at it. And then and then it's it's five o'clock somewhere on Saturday. So why not dive no, in? No, it's usually, we usually wait, but I think it's really emphasized that Sunday's a Sabbath. It's a, a day of celebration or of enjoying that day. So there is a way in which food takes on a bigger focus and time together takes on a bigger focus. It has been a a more um, celebrated day. Have you been impressed with any of our kids regarding some of their Lenten practices? No, none. Really? No, you're, you're kidding. <laughs> I, I've been, you know, I've been really impressed by. <laughs> Why are we talking about our kids? <laughs> I, I, this is, there, there's a reason. I'll tell you in a minute. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Annalise. So she's 13, yes. 14, 13. No, she's 14. Okay. She's 14. If you say so. <laughs> Eighth grader, 14. Well, she oh. has committed to only eat three meals, no snacks, no eating between meals. Yes. And she has been rock solid. Really, rock solid. I mean, how many days have we been around and it's before dinner time and she's like crying out <laughs> from the from the dust of the earth. What are we going to eat? I'm starving. I'm, I'm really, it, it, she's holding the line. I love that she witnesses to everyone else. I think when you do fasting in a community and you're all struggling together or you're all trying to do a good job, it, there is a way in which you're encouraged by other people's sacrifice. Yeah. And even, I don't know if the word is like put to shame or challenged, but when I see the vigor that she has and the willingness to sacrifice in accord with what she uh, chose to do, it's impressive. We had our last basketball practice today and I brought those little candies. And we the way that we gave the candies out at the end was that there was like a bag of candies that were going to be for everybody else that, you know, didn't win whatever the prizes were. And so someone was handed Annalise, hey, here you go. Here's some, like some chewy, salty, sweet, gummy, whatever. <laughs> sweet and sour. Sweet and belts. sour. <laughs> sweet, sweet and sour belts. Yeah, that makes it sound a lot better. And she likes those. And she said, I thought I saw her take them. And when we got out to the car, she said, yeah. I said, wasn't that a fun practice? Because we, we played some games at the end. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't get any candy. I almost took it. They offered it to me, and I really wanted to, but I said no. And I said, I am really proud of you, Annalise. Great job. And I'm more proud of how she did than how I did. She did better than I did. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be providing spiritual nourishment to help her live her Lent and I did not do that around eating, not the way that she did. So that's that's impressive. So I know one of the themes that I've been talking about on the program in the last in this in this past week was that Lent is a great revealer. It exposes parts of our lives 
because we are making intentional attempts to grow, to to get purified and, and change. And so when we fall short, it, it's a great revealer. So I, I'm grateful to God for that. Do you feel discouraged when you fail like that or don't keep your commitment? I, I would say that the I the first and natural thing is to feel discouraged, like, Lord, I let you down. And then what the Lord was teaching me, and because I know you listened to Sound Insight the last couple oh, of days, yes, you know yes. that I've been talking about this, that I said, I, I thanked God. The Lord was saying, no, Tom, I want to reveal to you areas that you're blind to, that you you have, there's a way in which the, the flesh still has a hold on your life when it comes to acts of self-denial, when it comes to acts of being manly and pursuing a difficult good, even when it's unpleasant, and that's a good thing. So thank you, Lord, for the call to embrace acts of self-denial, dying to self, and other spiritual training for the sake of following Christ in a more fruitful way. And when I fall short, it's like, oh, there's still a lot of training to go. I like that. I like that, how you put the positive spin on it. Um, for me, Lent has been good in that I've been able to read a lot more than I usually read. But in the last few days, I feel like I, you put that paramount on our, not on, I put that. You uh, did it. Boy, now you, you just, you're <laughs> powerless. Like oh, you are powerless. <laughs> the devil made me do hey, it. <laughs> yeah. Let's, it was the NCAA final four March madness that made us do it. We were well, hosting a party. Well, I'm just saying it was so good to not have any, like we have no cable in the house. So that just took away every desire to watch something at night. And then when that one little app put, was put on my phone, I was... I like that passive voice. The app was put on was my put phone. It was put on my phone. I don't know what happened. It just showed up. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know what happened. The apple, the apple just was right there. It was so tasty. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. The app was used to stream March Madness, and so we had a free, a free trial, and so we got it, tried it, I watched it, had to and finish then Carrie's Blue like, Blood. oh, look I at had this. to finish season 13 of Blue Bloods. <laughs> I can't believe that's been off at 13 seasons. I know. Well, yeah. So isn't that funny? It was a temptation there. But you're saying that you've been reading more. You've been spending yeah, less time on your phone. I think... Um, it's easier for me to just fill my time with good things instead of trying to stop bad things or get caught up in mission-type activities so that I'm so busy or I'm so caught up in um, trying to do something that I'm not, you know, a lot of downtime to just flounder away the time, I guess. But now I felt like I'm very dispersed with my time and I'm doing too many things. So now I feel like I, you know, if you, if I get tired, then I don't have the same resistance or the same strength. And I think we've talked about this as the night gets closer, as the day goes on, there's less focus, there's less energy, there's less attention. And so it's harder and harder. And I, I would serve our, myself better if I just went to bed every night at nine o'clock or nine thirty after we did family prayer. But I will, be tempted to stay up another hour and a half, and that's where nothing good happens. <laughs> right. It's nothing good happens after 9 o'clock. Yeah, it's fine. that's how old we are. It used to be nothing good happens <laughs> after 2 a.m., and then it's nothing good happens after midnight when you're talking about kids having sleepovers. Then it's like, no, nothing good happens after 9 o'clock for us. We need to get to bed. And it becomes – rationalization is so easy. Well, it, I don't even know if I rationalize at that point. I'm just so tired. I have no defense or no strength to fight my flesh. I'm so tired. I'll just give in easily. Yeah. So, Well, you're good at pointing out the ways that I do that. <laughs> that <laughs> is my it, wifely duty. Yes. Right next to... It's a to, great expectation. <laughs> I think that's in scripture somewhere. Help your husband by pointing out areas. A helpmate. <laughs> a helpmate. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a... Uh, it's a convicting form of help is what that is. Well, Carrie, uh, thanks for that update on Lent. I, I want to dig into some of the things that we've been learning this Lent through the different spiritual practices that we've been doing, whether those practices are your faith study with your ladies, 
Um, I've learned some things through some of the books I've read, guests I've had on and going to mass. So those spiritual activities, I think that there's always a chance to reflect on fresh insights. And we'll do that in a minute on the program. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran with my lovely wife, Carrie. I really appreciate you all tuning in. You can always get access to these programs and all the programs with Carrie on our Faith and Family Friday programs by going to mycatholicfaith.org. If you go to mycatholicfaith.org, you'll see the link to the Apple podcast version of this program called the Dr. Tom Curran Podcast. Please sign up for our free email newsletter. There are free downloadable resources there. And also, as I'm going to be doing more live streaming on YouTube and Facebook coming up, this will give you access to all of that. Again, it's all free. It's my opportunity to teach and to share and to pray with you. So I'd love to have you uh, join up with me, and you can do that by going to mycatholicfaith.org and just sign up for the newsletter. Or you can also like my Facebook pages and YouTube channel. I'll leave it there. So Carrie, you mentioned a lot of things going on, and I mentioned the idea of sharing insights. I want to share an insight with you and our wonderful listeners that I have been bringing to the a seventh and eighth grade girls basketball team because this is tournament weekend for the mountain Christian league, junior high girls and boys, seventh and eighth grade. Yeehaw. Let's go. It's not just my final four. It is the the finals <laughs> of the mountain Christian league tournament, which is fun because you have a bunch of teams that come from faith-based schools and they're truly Christian in spirit. And I love that because we were part of the CYO leagues back in, in the Seattle area. And let's just say that they didn't seem very different from a lot of other leagues. This Mountain Christian League, it's really impressive. So I have recognized that part of the gift I'm being given and the stewardship that is mine as a coach is to form in these young ladies their mindset, that how they approach their time in practice how they see their participation on the team and what they should be doing when they are uh, active in practice and in games. And so I've focused on three things, focus, energy, and excellence. And now if you ask the girls, what are the three things that, that I want you to pay attention to? They say focus, energy, and excellence. Now, I'm not sure they know what those mean, but at least that's the, uh, at least I'm getting there. And I, I'll share more with you about research that was done regarding who actually bears fruit, who's the most productive at work, and it's around focus and energy. So I can do that now, or I can, I'll toss it to you because I know that you've been um, like looking at some um, other materials. If you, if you want, I'll do it quickly. Sure, Tom. Okay, so think of it as the, it's called the Johari window, uh, which are, and so it's the four quadrants. And if you think of the four quadrants involving focus and energy, you have people who are neither focused nor energized, people who are focused but not energized, people who are energized but not focused, and then people who are focused and energized. And so the most productive people at work are the focused last, and energized, yes. right? But how many, what percent of people are both focused and energized? Less than 20%. It's like 18 or 19% of people at their job are both focused and energized. And I was thinking of that when you were saying, I'm dispersed. I'm just all spread out trying to get all this stuff done. It's hard to be focused. Being focused is all about knowing what I should be paying attention to. And then energized is what? Those things that I'm paying attention to, I can connect in a meaningful way to my life. So if you have people who know what they have to pay attention to, but it's not meaningfully connected to their life, then there's no energy there. Or if you have people who've got a lot of energy, but they're not like 
uh, if they're scattershot all over the place, pinging all over the place, they're not focused, they're not going to get a lot done. And then you feel the worst for these poor people who are neither focused nor energized by the life they have. (laughs) And so when you think about where ought we to be headed, how can we live an excellent life? Well, by focusing on the right things and meaningfully connecting them to our lives so that we find passion, energy, verve, vitality coming from putting our focus on the things we ought to be doing. So that's my point. I love that. I'm reading this book called The Joys of Compounding, uh, The Passionate Pursuit of Lifelong Learning by God and Bade. And um, in the book, it's all about investing, but it really is a lot of life principles. And uh, it was represented on a couple of the podcasts I was listening to, and it's just a ton of insight into being a lifelong learner. And they focus on um, great investors like Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger. But really, you take these principles and you can apply them to faith or to life. And uh, in in this one section, Tom, it says, um, this is about um, simplifying your your life. So simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And he says, how do you, like, how do you do well in that area? And this reads, uh, the second step for simplification is focus. When we try to accomplish too many things simultaneously, we end up doing all of them poorly. Attention is a scarce resource that gets depleted throughout the day. Yet we act as if it can be divided unlimitedly with no negative consequence. Decision-making is more effective when we focus on one thing at a time. And multiple research studies have shown time and again that the human brain is not optimized for multitasking, especially when one is working on complicated and unfamiliar tasks. One of the hardest things to do in life is to avoid good opportunities so that you can have time to devote to great opportunities and having the wisdom to know the difference. So Buffett's secret to success is his intense focus. Instead of doing more, he does less. He once told his personal airplane pilot, Mike Flint, that Flint needed to do three things to reach his goals. The first was to write down his top 25 goals. The second was to circle the top five most important ones. Finally, he should separate the top five goals into a separate list and put goals six through 25 on a not-to-do list. Buffett concludes by stating, everything you didn't circle just became your avoid-at-all-cost list. No matter what these things get, get, no matter what, these things get no attention from you until you've succeeded with your top five. And so he goes on just to say that you really get, I can just feel uh, myself in trying to get some of these different things accomplished or being committed to different um, uh, goals that nothing's getting done well, I guess. And I have this uh, calendar I set, set out where seven different commitments I have all end in May. And I'm just was looking at that thinking, oh, I can't wait till May comes. <laughs> but it's not that um, I don't enjoy doing the things. It's not that you have these goals and they're not all good. It's just how well can you do it? Buffett says the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything. And so when you say yes, you are saying no to every other option. And so it's always be careful to what and to whom you say yes. This choice eventually will shape many things in your life. And he he just says to, to try to find your focus and then to stay in that lane. So when you were sharing all of that and you said that it's connected to our life of faith, I thought Antonio Rosmini. I thought, I thought Ignatius Loyola. I thought John of the Cross. He, whether or not he uh, identifies these as a, a debt of insight, those things are all present in those writers. So one way of understanding what Buffett said when he told his pilot, pick 20, write down 25 goals, prioritize them by saying, here are the top five, and then eliminate the other 20. Do you know why he said eliminate the other 20? Um, well, I think for, for me, it would just be that they take away from the top five. Why? Why specifically do those twenty? Do those twenty? Because why do they're all great. Because op- they're all really good options. Not not okay. But why are those great options? Because you identified them as having some value and meaning to your life. 
So that's why Buffett is saying, write down 25 because you're going to- Because they're all important things. All those 25 are. Well, here's the thing. He didn't say, here's a list of 25, pick five. He said, write down a list of 25 goals. So I could say, oh, I want to you know, lose weight and I want to make so much money and I want to uh, fix the yard and I want to... So those are all things that I'm immediately saying, this is meaningful to me. This is meaningful to me. This is meaningful to me. So that the enemy of me achieving the heights of excellence is what? The things that are just really good. I am not going to be tempted by, and I'm not going to easily give money, uh, give time and focus over to things that I'm disgusted by, things that I consider unworthy. No, the enemy of what is holy and godly is the really good, the merely human. And so I mentioned these great spiritual writers because the devil, he is less likely to tempt us with an evil compared to God's will, but rather to something that is humanly good and attractive, but isn't what God wants for us right now. So that's why uh, Buffett says that. But that's why Buffett is saying you have to identify the other 20 things that you're drawn to, the things that you would really like to do, but they just can't take up any mind share until you tackle those other five. Do you have some goals you want to work on, Tom? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I want to work on Warren Buffett's idea about doing that process. Because you want to read this chapter. Well, it's abstract. It's 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 not existential enough in terms of saying you can... Uh, bucket, you can put into separate clean boxes, these five, when in fact, a lot of the rest of the 20 of the 25, they probably have some association with one or other of those five, you're going to kind of slide it in here and there. And so it's obviously it's a bit more messy than what he said. I think it's a lot more harder and difficult than what it sounds. When you, when I actually tried to apply this during a day, and I could and I wrote down what I was doing throughout the day. It was so fascinating to me how easily I was distracted with other pulls and attention grabbers, and all good, like you said. Oh, these are all really good things. But if I was really trying to accomplish like two things, and I think this is similar to that whole book on is it do the right thing or the one thing, where it's like just what is the most important thing I can do today. What is the one thing that would make everything else in my life like feel easier or, or everything else um, n- unnecessary? And so it's kind of like along those lines. What is that one thing that you've been wanting to get to, that's been on your mind to do and you just have not done it and you've avoided it and put it off and procrastinated? And Yeah, and- this, is, this is so interesting because this gets into sort of human development, bestseller books and city slickers, do the one thing, <laughs> that movie. I think of something that I learned a long time ago from a mentor, brainstorm, filter, organize, act. You remember that? Yeah. And that's what the brainstorm 25 goals, filter, prioritize them based on what's important to you right now. And that's prioritizing the five of the 25. Organize, okay, among those five, how specifically are you going to accomplish one, two, three, four, and five, and now take action on those. So what they're saying there is something that I've attempted to do throughout my whole, you know, for the last 30 years and something that I've helped CEOs do and other senior executives when I'm coaching them. So it's, 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 it is, let's call it foundational human insight into living well. Now there's a difference between knowing that and living it. Yes. And so my personality is I'm a servant and so an obliger and I will, I will find that that process is hard to live of saying, here are my five goals for today. I've filtered my things down. Well, then I get a phone call and I'm like, no, you're not on my list. See ya. I'm not going to, I'm not going to answer the call. I'm not going to respond to the text message. And so I think that that's where people then say, okay, next level. No, you can put a a goal, respond to people who are communicating to you, but put it in the right box. You'll do that at 12 noon. You won't do that just when they called because it was convenient for them. Now it's disrupting the flow of your energy. It's the the flow of your focus. 
get rid of that phone because it's going to just pull, pull some of that energy. Yeah, or a phone call or just a phone. doesn't have to be. Yeah. I, I think I get more distracted by myself than by other people in my thoughts and in what, in my, uh, what I'm looking at or reading or thinking about. or. Well, I think that, for instance, you will use a um, like an, um, an app game. You know, you joke about it. Spider Solitaire is a, an app game that you can do while you're doing other things. But I'm not sure that you're aware that it also is a pull of your energy. It's a pull of your focus. And if you didn't do it, you'd gain back some capacity to focus because you're not having to even think about what's the next right move here and what can I do with it. It's not mindless. Yeah. It has an effect. For sure. So I I think that that's, you know, that's one of those things where you've got a week left in Lent. Could you give it up? I have given it up. What are you talking about? I was not just playing that game. <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out, is this a joke? Are you not wanting me to go no, there? No, no, no. I'm 90% giving it up. Have you really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I've only deleted off my phone like six times. Six times this Lent? <laughs> nice. It's just me all play and I'm like, okay, get rid hey, of it. Hey, wait a minute. Now I can get into your phone. Why is that? I can change the, the that password. Oh, yes. And then I can delete, love- I can delete the app no, no, and you, you won't can, have access to it. You can... Put a passcode on the app. Right. I can put a on the app? Yeah, no, 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 to access time. the app. I can put a screen time password on there that you don't know that doesn't allow you to download apps from yeah. the app store. Go for it, buddy. Oh, that. <laughs> Honey, this is, this is what this whole program is about. It's about helping you regain focus based, <laughs> because I want you to compound your time. No, this right. is actually a great book. Have you listened to any of the content no. from... No, the joys of compounding, the passionate pursuit of lifelong no, it, learning. It really makes you want to read and read for knowledge. All right. That's so good. Back in a minute. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Carn. It's great to be with you today. It is Holy Week next week, and Carrie and I are reflecting on how our Lent is going right now and bringing up little bits about the family and how the family is doing. I do feel like there is... Uh, the family's doing better in, in in large measure because of you around the Lord's Day. Oh, yes, it's definitely your <laughs> wife. <laughs> but no, you have just put that stake in the ground around adoration on Sunday night for kids who don't join you at the praise and worship outside of Mass uh, on Sunday morning. And, and I've said no to any play date unless someone wants to come hang out at our house. Some of the kids have asked to go see friends. I'm like, unless it's a whole family. I think we just need to all stay together because I've just I didn't seen- know that was an extra thing, but that's great. Well, because then one or two kids go to different places and all of a sudden you lose that sense of togetherness and family time and family conversation and going on a hike or a drive or whatever well, The kids go play soccer together or volleyball together, uh, which has been kind of neat to see the, the five kiddos, which again, you have a 10-year-old girl all the way up to a 17-year-old boy uh, hanging out together and, and having fun together. That's That's a beautiful thing. Yes. And if we had family here, we'd be visiting them, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that is a true thing. That is a wound. Lord, you need to help me. Anyhow. So, Carrie, the, uh, with, with Lent unfolding, I, one of the things that, that has been reinvigorated, which is endearing, you, you've, I think you listened to the last one. I didn't listen to it, but they recorded another one. John Mark has a podcast now, our 17-year-old son. John Mark has a podcast with one of his classmates, and it's called How to Get a Girlfriend and Still Be on JV. Is that right? Yep. How to Get a Girlfriend and Still Be on JV. So if you want to have a humorous – how do you describe it? Humorous Wait, is it How to Get a Girlfriend and Still Be on JV or How to Be on JV – no, it's how to get a girlfriend and still be on JV. <laughs> it's like not the, a long enough title. The, we need a longer the, title. The, like the picture is GF equals JV. Girlfriend <laughs> is J equals JV or whatever. And and it's it's a very endearing a podcast because you have two 17-year-old young men 
who are talking about girls and talking about interacting with young women and uh, navigating that idea that they're growing into young men and they're drawn to women and what's that like? And it's 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 out there. It's funny and. The thing that I find so endearing is that these guys have a tremendous sense of wanting to respect the women, that they have dignity as daughters of God, and they are pure and modest and chaste in their relationships. Uh, I, I don't know. I, it, I don't want to make it sound all like religious and devotional, but it's it's funny and it's it's. John Mark and Caleb are goofy funny, outgoing boys that kind of say anything that comes to their mind, but they also are very thoughtful and insightful. Neither have had boy a girlfriend, <laughs> neither of them have dated. So in giving this advice and having their friends on the podcast and in giving like style tips and driving tips, they both, yeah, it's a long story. Anyhow, so I think the endearing part of it is their personality is funny and goofy and disarming and uh they don't take themselves seriously so the hilarity of it is really sweet and fun i think for myself because i don't know a lot about what john mark is thinking or doing he doesn't share a lot with me i get to find out stuff that i didn't know about so personally i like the podcast i don't know how other moms would like it but it is a a source of conversation with a lot of their friends as to what their ne next topic is, and some of their friends will give them advice as to insights, or a lot of the, her, their siblings, especially John Mark's sisters, will give him advice as to what to talk on. So it's become a family conversation topic, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and just to say one more time, if you listen to it, it's not going to teach your 17-year-old boy how to get a girlfriend, okay? <laughs> Because they've never had a girlfriend. They're, they're not even just, really permitted to date. It's more so entertaining. It's just, it's, it's really, it's funny and it's entertaining. <laughs> and yet it brings up these issues in a way that you just are like, I want my boy to hear that because I, the way that they talk about girls, the way that they relate to young women is, I don't know, I just find it, it's very refreshing. It's, and they're honest. They're not saying that they have everything figured out. It's on Spotify, by the way, if people want to listen to it. I don't okay. think it's on the um, Apple podcast yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's not. It's on Spotify and How to Get a Girlfriend and Still Be on JV. So that's John Mark, our 17-year-old. And uh, yeah, so that's 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 a neat advance right there. Another tidbit, both my sons have ha had casts on their hands. One broke a thumb or they're fractured right, a thumb. The right one... hands at the same time. How <laughs> weird is that? And one broke his finger and they've never had cast before. So that was kind of comical. Yeah. And both, and it's just silly how, how it happened. But both whatever. of them, silly. Yeah. That was cute. Um, so, Carrie, we have uh, Holy Week coming up. And uh, earlier today, I did Monday's program, pre-recorded Monday's program with Father Lewis, and we walked through Holy Week. Okay. And we talked about, uh, we didn't talk much about Palm Sunday <laughs> because it hasn't happened yet, but we're recording it after it's happened. We focused on Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and then just barely got to Easter, okay. Easter Vigil and Easter Sunday. But something I never thought about was the veneration of the cross on Good Friday. Right, behold the wood of the cross on which is hung our salvation. I love that. Right? And then they unfold the cross and they move forward. And then you have the veneration mm -hmm. of the cross. So here's the question. Is it a cross or is it a crucifix? When you go up and it's kiss. It's a cross. It's a cross. So there's not the body of Jesus on it. Correct. Okay. So What's the we got into a little bit of a theological, liturgical debate. What is, is it a properly a cross or a crucifix? And... The answer is it's not perfectly clear. It's probably a crucifix, but even if it's a crucifix, so the body of Christ <laughs> on the cross. I don't think any church has a crucifix big enough that they could actually, unless they pulled it down from the center stage hanging above the altar. So it's probably, more, it's probably more out of convenience to have just a cross. I just remember growing up. Did you have a crucifix? It was, we had the priests come out with, 
crucifixes that were like hand oh, in little, your hand. Oh, little ones. And, and they <laughs> That's would, right. And you'd kneel in the altar rail okay. all the way around, and they would wipe the crucifix, and then they'd present it, and you kissed the crucifix. Because you were kissing Jesus, who had died on the cross okay. on Good Friday. Hey, to be fair, these are churches in Seattle, so I'll just assume they're doing it not quite... <laughs> All right. Quite right. No, no, but it, it, it didn't say, the rubrics didn't say that it, there has to be the corpus of Jesus. I'm saying to you, from my childhood, on Good Friday, what I was venerating was the crucified one, not the cross on which Jesus was crucified. So when I would come forward You're to right. kiss. That's a very different kissing. It's a very different thing. To kiss the Lord. Okay, so I think I've always thought I kissed a cross. <laughs> I was supposed to kiss Jesus. No, it's the opposite. Well, I always kiss you my. You had it right. Well, I do kiss my crucifix all the time. I ha- I wear it around my neck. Do you really? Yeah, I didn't know that. I'll grab it and I'll kiss it. And I also How do you do that. I've never seen you do that. I just do it all. T- I don't know. I just grab it and kiss it. And whenever I make the sign of the cross, now I kiss my fingers at the end. Do you really? Yes. I don't know where I got this, but I just... You must have been watching the, some some, eight, some <laughs> Mexican movie. I don't know. I no, just... Do you know that... And do you do you put your three fingers Jesus, together? Jesus, Jesus. Uh, yeah, when I actually do. I just... Yeah, naturally. <laughs> Is it the thumb and the first finger and the second finger? Yes. Do you know why? No, I the just... Trinity. Yeah. Well, that's what I figured that's what you're going to say, but I or don't even know where I did that. It's two natures and one person. So it's either... The two natures of Christ in one person, and so that's Jesus, or it's the Blessed Trinity, three persons in one nature. So, Okay, so back to the cross. What no, we, that's not really important. What are we kissing? You're kissing the cross. Okay. On which hung our salvation. <laughs> I think it's important to kiss our crosses that we carry because they're a gift. Like you said, when you failed at your Lent, the Lord showed you this is a gift to you. This is showing you that you don't have it. And it was humbling, right? Super humbling. So those are crosses. And that's the gift. Not to be burdened or overwhelmed or weighed down or full of fear or anxiety. If if our sin or our, our weaknesses, our failings that make us feel that way, then we're not encountering and experiencing it the way Christ has asked us to experience it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if you think about it, he is... When he shows us our failings, he's showing us the fact that he also died for our failings so that we could be set free from them. And and that's just another opportunity to be drawn close to Christ crucified, to be drawn close to the cross. Uh, That's just such a, a foundational part of our life of faith. I think that doing this veneration of the cross on Good Friday it's so important as a symbolic gesture, as a gesture that we do as part of the faithful. It's so life-giving. So, all right, we're up against a break, Carrie. When we come back, let's keep talking about uh, Holy Week. Back in a minute. Uh. All right, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern with my wife, Carrie. What do you have, dear? I wanted to share one other thing. I have going to Walmart versus a dollar store. Uh. <laughs> This profound insight. I was going to say, was gonna say <laughs> going to the traditional Latin Mass versus the Novus Ordo. This is how did God put us together? Yes. Oh my goodness. All right, um, I'll I'll be quick on mine. No, I do not actually need to talk about that at all. It was just comical. What's that? Uh, the story I shared with you about going to these two different stores and just I think the, that's a thing. The radical change that's happening in our economy. Our hey folks, if you haven't, if you're not aware of it, our economy is struggling. And <laughs> did you buy f- gold? <laughs> did you buy gold? Right. Do you have Bitcoin? Yeah. Gas? Yeah, find it's, something. Well, and people are, you know, you have all these dire warnings about the financial systems. Are they cracking? Are they bending? Are they going to break? Is it going to collapse? I mean, I, I don't like those kind of dire predictions. I, I'm, I'm a believer in the thing. It's too big to fail. The whole system is too big to fail. It's too much reality. But Whatever the case, it's certainly the case that things have gotten so much more expensive. And so you, this is something that you've done now and again through the years, you bring up to our wonderful listeners' uh, attention the amazing things that are discovered at 
Wait, the dollar store? The dollar store. <laughs> not the traditional Latin mass, the dollar store. I just could not believe how expensive the candy was at Walmart. I was had to quickly go out and get stuff for baskets because I'm going to be out of town. And I was shocked. For Easter baskets. I, I, yes, yeah. it was shocking to see what things are costing. And I, I follow numbers pretty quickly, carefully. And I said, that's it. I'll just go over to the dollar store, which I could not believe how many items that the dollar store has that are nice items that you can buy now all catered towards their sizing of a dollar twenty-five. Um, you know, from beef jerky to all sorts of nuts and like healthy protein bags to any kind of chip. They have that all the stuff you get at pretty much at Costco, you can get at the dollar store in a dollar twenty-five size bag, which is just odd to me. I didn't even know this was whole business. But they they beat Hands down, Walmart's prices. I just don't even know how people shop at some of these stores because it's. And then when you go in the dollar store, everything's a dollar twenty-five. So, like, ah, oh, it's only a dollar. Pretty soon, you have like fifty things in your car. <laughs> at least I do, and uh, it was just funny. But to honestly say, just to be to be aware of, I guess where you buy stuff. I don't. I I look at what people put in their car and I go, how can they, why would you, $20, it was $20 at Target for five tiny little bags of pirate booty. So it was a big package and you take out the five little bags to put into, I don't know, Easter baskets or hand them out to kids. But it was $20 for five tiny bags of, I was thinking, who buys this? Who Who spends this money? Who does not know how to do this math? It was insane. Sorry, I do not mean to get off topic, but if you've not been in the dollar store and gone down the like snack aisles, there's like three of them. It's amazing. And there are like eight people um, today at the store. I guess they got a shipment in, but there's eight different people sta- uh, stocking the stocking, shelves. Thank you, the shelves. So I was talking to them. Well, when, when you showed me some of the stuff you got, I was surprised. I was used to dollar stores principally having stuff from kind of the Korea and China and, and like foreign Mexico. foreign foods that <laughs> are Mexico. really like really like dry and dusty quality and old, you know, it just not packaged professionally not the, no, it's, not, the just, not the biggest brands in smaller packaging but it seems like that that's something oh no, that's happened it's the skinny pop it's the prunes it's the like i said it's healthy they have all these healthy snacks i mean they have everything that that you it's crazy the other thing is if you need to buy, like I had to get paper clips and post-it notes and some other things for the, um, your business stuff, they had it all there and it was all so inexpensive. And then I ran over to get something else. And of course it's three times the price in any other store you go into. I, I again, cannot believe how much it exposes how much these other stores are charging. And then two... That if you just look there, if you you could actually go into up and down the aisles and and see all the stuff that's there that you don't need to buy at the other stores. Yeah, well, in again in this economic environment, folks, if you are on a budget and you're feeling the squeeze, uh, then it's not it's it's a very practical thing to do. <laughs> they had dollar twenty five bread, a loaf of like some of the bread we buy. It's like, how do you guys have this bread here for? And it was fresh. I was shocked. I literally was shocked. I just stood there and like started looking at everything they had there because I, I said, I've been shopping here for how many years and I've never noticed all this well, stuff. And that was the funny thing. You texted me. I'm like, hey, where are you? Oh, I'm getting the oil changed. And then it was, oh, yeah, well, I'm at Walmart. And then it was like, oh, I'm at the dollar store. And you were gone for several hours, which well, was so funny. I know. I just had to do the Easter baskets, but it's crazy. So, Carrie, as we are um, headed towards Holy Week, I think that it's one of those things, don't just stumble into it. Be intentional. So folks, Holy Thursday will be here before you know it. And if your family has not been in a custom, accustomed to going to Holy Thursday, use Palm Sunday as a chance to um, frame what will happen over the course of the week. Yes, that's such a good idea, Tom. You know? And talk about it and set up the kind of a schedule. And this is what we're doing. This is when the services are. This is really special. We're going to get our nice clothes out. We're going to um, have some order and some uh, advanced um, planning. Because the, the thing about remote preparation, <laughs> the thing about the Triduum is it's hard and it's a lot of effort and it's very sacrificial. But on 
after that service on Saturday night, there is a, a t- you, it's like a pilgrimage. You are walking with your family through these long services, a lot of time at church with your community or wherever you happen to go. And there is this way of, of unifying and, and solidifying and anchoring your family and our identity um, around the most important act of all salvation, yeah, of all I mean, history. it's a holy week is yeah, what it really is. Holy. This is a holy week. This year, I really want to do the Seder meal. So I printed up five copies just with our family. Is that why you did that? I yeah. was wondering, I was like, where did this printout come from? And I what's this for? I printed up five copies. Have you ever done a Seder meal? No, but it's just, a, it's the one where you just get like the the parsley and the salt and the little uh, unleavened crackers and I think like prunes or raisins. It's real simple. We're not actually having a big meal. Okay. <laughs> not, I'm not cooking like a lamb. <laughs> It's we're not a just Passover doing meal. It's a Seder meal. We're just doing the more symbolic yeah. uh uh different foods that they had to symbolize all the you know salvation history type things. I can't even say it because I I don't know. It looks really cool. It's five pages and you read through it and pray it and then you can actually play the little um I looked up the songs on Spotify and there the Jewish kids sing it. So you can actually play some of the songs. <laughs> it's so funny. Technology. When are what, we gonna do that? Holy Thursday. Oh, we are? Yeah. Oh, well, that's awesome. Well, that's when you do the Seder meal on Thursday, correct? Yeah. It's like the Passover meal. Yeah what, yeah. what night is this? Why is this night different than other nights? Yes. That yeah. whole thing. That's exactly what it is. And you can get it on MessyParenting.com. They have oh, wow. a Catholic version um, Mike and Alicia put out. So MessyParenting.com has a Catholic version of the Seder meal. Nice. I didn't know that. See that? This is why it's good for us on Sunday to have our little family family meeting. Oh, you won't even be there. I know. You're That's why I had to, like, I'm having to do a ton of work before I leave. Oh. Nice. Nice. All right. So um, be intentional about where you're going on Holy Thursday. Go to Holy Thursday evening. It's a beautiful uh, liturgy involving washing of the feet, involving adoration. Afterwards, there's a procession of the Blessed Sacrament. So think about... Maybe we can stay a little longer and process and and spend some time in adoration. I know that's hard. Or you can even go home and then come back. You, you can go back for a half hour. You can an give your kids – the kids like options, two options, not like five options. Just you can either stay with dad or go home, take a break, and come back at 11 and stay till midnight kind of thing. And then that gives them a little bit more ownership. Yeah. And then remember, Good Friday involves two different – uh, services where you have the stations of the cross and then you also have the commemoration of the lord's passion where they do the reading right of the passion with the different parts and so that's that's the long one and that also has all those intercessions right where you pray for everybody uh and then the, we love going to the easter vigil i don't i can't even remember the last time we went to an easter sunday service an easter sunday mass versus the vigil and, and you know, the neat thing is, again, this is the gift, is that it's just in the kids. The kids know. They, they don't even ask, oh, do we have to? There is no, do we have to? They just know, oh, this is what it means to be a Curran that's a Catholic on Holy Week. We go to Holy Thursday. We go to these services on Good Friday. We go to the Easter Vigil. Well, I think, again, Tom, as you set up a vision for those days and these activities or these prayer services on Sunday, Palm Sunday, and talk about it in a way that's exciting and beautiful the kids will slowly take it in and want to enter into it yeah and even if they struggle the first year even if they struggle that first year once they go through it especially if you have like beautiful liturgy with beautiful music and all of that it soaks into their souls it really does touch their lives so trust in the lord trust in his grace and make that vigorous effort and you'll have a great uh easter sunday celebration All right. Thank you all so much for being with Carrie and me today. God bless you and join me on Monday for more Sun Insight.